Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Happy February, everyone. Hope you had a first good month of the new year. Yeah, I can't say Happy New Year anymore in February. <laughs> We're so done with that. That's why I told Amanda to We're start. We're not saying that anymore. I had nothing. But Happy February didn't. was good. <laughs> so you guys are obviously hearing this. February is the shortest month. So it'll probably go by really quickly. But one of the things that we were happy to hear as January closed out or mid-January kind of happened was the teacher strike happening. So we had told you guys we'd give you a little bit of an update. So it happened. It happened like right after we put out our pouring it was crazy in the rain yeah my aunt was out there on the front lines and she was just saying it was just insane and you know i was listening to some npr reports about it and they were like it didn't die down like the enthusiasm didn't die down and what i think was really great to see was that families and kids were on the picket line too Mm -hmm. they had said i think by day three enrollment was down like to 25 percent just like people or 30 percent yeah or something like Mm -hmm. that so there were so many kids it was like 75 percent the first day and then like 50 percent, and then like down to 30 i I could be a little off on my numbers but it was something like drastic like that yeah i'd love to hear from some students we listened to a podcast pod save america and they were on the front lines kind of asking different people and oh, i was very i'm impressed so behind at, on oh really oh i was really impressed with some of the high school students that they interviewed yeah that were saying you know there's like 45 kids in yeah. the class they're like sometimes yeah. i don't have a desk yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Well, like and you're it, just sitting on the ground. Yeah. And if there was any question about whether or not this teacher strike was for the kids, there you go. There's your answer. Right. If you have the majority of parents pulling their yeah. kids out of school and you have teenagers choosing to go to picket lines when, you know, I heard some reports of like seniors, right. like this could impact their ability to go to college, but they felt yeah. it was so important. And so, yeah. you know, we did have, you know, an agreement that was reached. They haven't released too much detail about it. Yeah. I said that it was the same like salary increase over two years, but most of the changes were for the students, the right. smaller class sizes. So, you know, good on the teachers um, for, you know, everything Sticking is always guns. a compromise, yeah. unfortunately. But fortunately. Yeah. Well, and there you uh, go. They compromised on themselves rather than yeah, for the kids. For the kids, which, which, which is, shows a lot. Which is great. And insofar as funding when Amanda was saying that enrollment is down, money follows the student. And what we wanted to talk about today were charter schools and their role in the public school system. Mm -hmm. An important kind of, I don't know, like rumor myth out there is that, oh, well, the district is still going to get the money for my child. But the money actually from the federal government and from California actually follows the student. That's why when your student is truant or they're absent excessively, Mm -hmm. you know, they're on you. They're like, your kidneys are And it's every day mm-hmm. it's every day mm-hmm. if a kid doesn't so go I'm one sure. day then that funny doesn't go I'm that sure day. LAUSD lost a lot of oh funding. I think it was in the millions I heard it had to have like been. millions which is crazy but you know you've probably heard good bad and ugly stories about charter schools we just talked about LeBron James's charter oh, school yes, remember we yeah, did and yeah. it just came I think it just yeah. came out last week well and we a lot of people get 
charter schools a lot of times get a bad rap and i will say that that's for good reason in some instances but like i said there's good bad and there's ugly i came from a very wonderful charter school that i worked at before i went to law school but they're not all the same because they are still public schools so we'll kind of break it down like what are charter schools charter schools are still public schools no tuition no tuition so it's still free but you'll see and usually you know when there's the good one if they have a wait list (laughs) because there's only so many slots and a lot of families want to go there and the thought process is choice Right. And so that could be a very powerful tool, especially if have you heard of like stores that like the employees like have like they run it. There's like smaller grocery store chains where it's just like run by employees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like the board is all employees. Yeah. That's kind of like the thought process behind a charter school is, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a nonprofit. Very, very few are like for profit, but we'll get into that. But they just kind of come together, you know, teachers, parents, the community. Mm -hmm. That's why LeBron James was able to like throw money at it and like, and they have to create a mission. Yeah. Yeah. So Chimes was like a very specific. It was very specific and they followed a very specific approach they wanted to use in all of their classrooms. Inclusivity. Very inclusive. So all kids, you know, were included and they used, for lack of a better word, a a thematic approach. So every like month had a theme. And so it was about connecting Mm -hmm. learning to that theme to make it more multisensory. So Mm. a lot of the things that we talk about in being important for kids with special needs really was there. And, And, you know, sometimes we get former educators that want to create schools like this. And sometimes we see parents dissatisfied with the public education and their choices that they have. And, you know, if you watched the show Parenthood, Christina in there, the character in there had a child with autism and was dissatisfied with her options of going to a specialized school for all kids with special needs where there's no inclusion or being in a general education class where their child is not supportive. So they went out and they created essentially their own charter school. So sometimes that comes with great intentions, but then the implementation is always tough if you don't have educators actually running it. Sometimes it goes really well, depending Mm -hmm. on who you have consulting, but that's where there's a lot of discrepancies and just they're not all the same. And because it is a public school, you know, in the state of California, you know, the teachers are required to have credentials, Mm -hmm. you know, for the core college prep classes, things like that, just like traditional public schools. And a lot of the information that we are kind of getting this from, obviously, is from the California Department of Education and the California Charter Schools Association. Mm-hmm. So there's so much information about charter schools and our different experiences with them. But, you know, we want to stress that if you're paying tuition, that is not a charter school. Yes. <laughs> that is a private school. Yeah, <laughs> because the charter schools are funded on yes. um, the same way that public schools are funded, yeah. which means that mm-hmm. any statute where a school would receive funds yeah. to participate in a specific program, that charter school still has to abide by those laws. Right. So it doesn't come out of a district's budget. So let's say there's a charter school within LAUSD. Now we'll get into like specifics because sometimes money does get allocated, but traditionally under the local control funding formula, that's what allocates the state and your tax dollars to public education 
agencies. Charter school is an Mm -hmm. agency. So, you know, when I say that the money follows the student, you know, if your child gets accepted into the charter school, because some of them, like I mean, I was saying have wait lists or the lottery system, right? right? And it's just like, didn't you have like a client or someone say like, I'm going to work at the school so I can get my kid in, Yeah, Yeah. It gets so crazy because people want, I mean, it's wait lists miles long, you know, if the program is really good, I mean. But not all charter schools are Not all are like that because the you were saying like most people think charter is just going to be better but that's not necessarily the case right like you know i've had a lot of families that come to me who say you know i'm really not happy and my school district has only given me this one option and i found out there's charter school in my area and so therefore i'm just gonna like i think it's gonna be better well Mm -hmm. the charter schools still have to abide by the idea Mm -hmm. and the ada and Mm -hmm. section 504 the rehabilitation Mm -hmm. act which means they're still gonna have an iep it's gonna be very similar and one thing to note is that some charter schools are still within your same district. So let's say there's a charter school down the street from you. It may or may not be in your local district. So just because you go to the charter school doesn't mean that anything is going to change. And in fact, the school district could still say that based on your IEP, they don't have a program that's appropriate. Now, there are charter schools that aren't within your local LEA. Right. And so the way that happens is when a charter school is established by the group of parents or the educators or whoever decides to, they create their mission statement and they create Mm -hmm. basically their proposal for what they want the school to be. And generally they first propose it to their local school district, whatever school district in the city that they are trying to, they found a building and they're going to put it here. They go to that district and they provide the proposal. The school district has the ability to say yes or no. That yes, we want this school to be in our school district or no. And so a lot of times school districts either they don't want to have to manage another school or they don't believe in the mission of the school or they don't believe it's going to you know benefit them to have them within their district. Then they may say no. And in those instances, the charter school becomes its own LEA, meaning its own district, essentially, but it still has to be governed under a SELPA, a special education local plan area. So there are some SELPAs in the state of California, and this is very specific to California. For those of you who are listening outside of California, it may or may not be different. So in California, we have these SELPAs that we've talked about before. They govern a group of school districts and look over and oversee the special education aspects of those districts and help out where they can. So the charter schools that are their own LEA still have to be part of a SELPA. And so there are some SELPAs in California that, like, for instance, there's one up in Northern California that houses a lot of charter schools all across the Mm -hmm. state. But Mm -hmm. it's not like location specific. So like you could be in Anaheim and have a charter school in Anaheim that's down the street from another local elementary school, but it may not be within Anaheim. Charter schools are open to all children, no matter where they live, space permitted. So that's where you get the lottery system where they randomly pick the students. Like if there's only like limited space, like you could live in Irvine and apply for a charter school in Anaheim. And if you get in and and so sometimes, you know, there are some charter schools, there's like under like LAUSD's arm. So the charter school in that scenario would pay like an oversight fee to the school district. And that school district might do school visits. They might do some, you know, fiscal academic monitoring, you know, just certain things that maybe the charter school doesn't have the staff to do. You know, they could pay the school district. So sometimes you'll see that intertwinedness, if you will. And I know that we definitely do at times see when a district is intertwined. Yeah, of um, course. But for the most part, those 
charter schools are open no matter where the child right. lives. Now, obviously, right. you don't want to be in Northern California <laughs> and then wanting to go to a charter school. I mean, that's people just might practical. do it if it's I mean, great, might, but, but that's, um, you know, can't. they can't discriminate. Obviously, they have to be reflective of their community. So you can't, you know, be in a specific area and exclude all children of a certain color. Like mm-hmm. you just like cannot do that. Yeah. And that's where you still have to abide by certain laws. So, and we'll get into that in a second in terms of looking at, we said that some charter schools are great and others are not so great. Why is it that they can be so different? The reason is, is because they are exempt from certain laws mm-hmm. that is different from general public schools within public school districts. So they are still required to follow, like I had said, the laws of any funding statute to which they are receiving funds for special programs. So that's the IDEA, the Individuals with Disability Education Act. That's the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. That's Section 504, the Rehabilitation Act. Those laws that they are receiving funding they are required to abide by them. But there are some facets of state and federal education laws that they are exempt from, and it allows them to create their own like mission statement. And, yeah. yeah. So and, they have a mission statement and then they have their like own like standards. So you see a lot of these charter schools that do well in low income communities. They can have a unique curriculum. Sometimes they're STEM based, mm-hmm. right? So they're looking yeah. at the sciences, the mathematics, right. the engineering component. And I think they've been around for over 25 years in yeah. California. And the nice thing about charter schools, I guess the idea behind it is that they can be innovative. Right. Um, and they can look at different approaches. Operate a little different. Right. Yeah. We've talked about about before how there's a lot of research out there on how to better educate kids and how to better stimulate the mind yes. and how oftentimes in public education, those techniques and those approaches are not utilized because schools are either have red tape because of funding or they have red tape because of the regulations. And so they're not able to be as flexible, as creative. Maybe and that, they can't hire right certain teachers, right. you know, because of their operating budget. And that's what LeBron James can throw money. Now, that's a different state. I mean, there's there's probably some yeah. stuff, but like I yeah. keep going back to yeah. that. There's been people. Well, in some charter schools, they do their own fundraising as well. Yeah. So then they can create more funding. But I'd say there are a lot of good charter schools out there that don't do a ton of excessive fundraising. They're able to do great things within the means of the same amount of funding that a general public school does. They just approach it in a different way. And so they look at, you know, some focus on the arts and look at the importance of that instead of taking it away as yeah. it's what's happening right uh, now. Dual language immersion programs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a lot of charter schools, maybe that's the a heavy focus on college prep. I already talked about, you know, the math, science kind of technology. They do have to have their academic programs align with Common Core standards and students that attend a charter school must participate in state required standardized testing. So you really can't get out of that. They need to do that. Obviously, that's just the state of California. It's different in different states. But, you know, unlike those traditional public schools, you know, charter schools can be held accountable by, you know, the families they serve, right? Mm -hmm. And also the people who are running it. So that's what you were saying, like, you know, you want well-qualified people because it's like the teachers are running that charter school. Just like a school district will have a board of directors or a district board, charter schools are going to have a board as well. So a lot of things have to be approved by the board. And so, you know, generally someone who's creating a charter school is going to select, you know, different experts. They would want to serve on their board that would be advising them and providing them feedback. And not just when they're starting, but as they're going along as new techniques and approaches 
are learned and how we can really change in the time. So for instance, we've talked before about the dyslexia guidelines. Mm. When those came out, it gave more leeway to maybe a charter school to say, we're going to put a dyslexia expert on our board because then they're able to advise, is this reading Reading intervention program, are they, is this appropriate? Is this multisensory? Does it fit within these guidelines? Now, these are all the things that the charter school should do. Unfortunately, when we see these bad and really disastrous charter schools happen, it's because maybe they create an approach that may sound good in Mm -hmm. theory, but in implementation, it doesn't work. Or they don't have the people advising them that really know, have the expertise to advise about these matters. And enrollment numbers will dwindle. And although California is pretty kind of not necessarily fast and loose with charter schools, they do have a lot of autonomy to kind of self-regulate. But California does indicate that a charter must renew their charter status at least every five years, either by the school district or whatever authorizer is authorizing them. You know, obviously they have to have a good academic results. They have to be operating in a responsible manner, both fiscally and operationally. You know, you can't have, you know, 10 school student fights a day and expect to be held open or renew your charter. But, you know, every five years, I mean, a lot can happen in three and a half years, Yeah, you know, so the community really and the parents can keep them accountable as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, when we are looking at a situation where a parent comes to us and asks about a specific charter school and, you know, they're frustrated with where they are and they think this is going to be a good solution. The first thing that we always say to look at is, is that charter school within your local district or is it in a different district or is it in, you know, one of these own, the SELPA, are they their own LEA? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to have an effect. If your child is on an IEP and for instance, they're in a mild, moderate special day class and you want to go to this specific charter school, but the charter school doesn't have a special day class program or one that's a mild, moderate program. And the charter school is within your school district. The school district may say, based on your IEP, it's, I mean, they can't discriminate and say that they can't be enrolled, right. but it could impact how the child does within that program. If they don't have a program to fit it, they may not be able to provide them an appropriate education. Right. And when a charter school is its own LEA for special education purposes, you know, that means that they are fully responsible for special education. If the charter school falls under another LEA, like Amanda was describing, then, you know, if they didn't have that particular program in their school, they might refer you to another school within their LEA because they're not in control of their special education. So when a charter school, and this is very rare that a charter school is its own LEA, but when they are, you know, there's some weight to it because they are fully responsible for special education. And that's a lot, but they could be flexible. They could design innovative programs, whatever goes along with their own mission. And then the needs of that particular child. And I know that some of the things we've said may sound a little confusing. So I want to break it down a little bit further. So we've said that charter schools can't discriminate, meaning that if a child has an IEP or a disability, they cannot refuse to admit them if there is space. Right. So, but if this charter school that you're applying to is within your local LEA, what may happen, and I've seen this before, is there's a spot. So they don't discriminate. They say, okay, you're enrolled. And they start them and they say, okay, well, we don't have a special day class, so you're going to be in general education. They may have RSP program. They may have different supports, right? Whatever their programs may be. And the child goes in and because they are required to buy by the IDEA, they're going to have your 30-day transition IEP. 
Mm-hmm. And at that transition IEP, they may say, because we don't have a special day class, this child really needs a special day class. So then because they're part of the district, the district would say, this is not an appropriate program. So it's not the same as saying, we're not going to accept you. It's not the admittance. It's along the lines of what's on your IEP and what is the district offering. So you're going to face the same situation you would face if you were in a general education class in your local district at a public school and your child's not progressing the way that they should. And the district wants to say, this is an appropriate program. We want to move to a different program. You'd be in the same position where you could assert stay put and you could fight it and you're in a situation where maybe at least due process. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're thinking about, should I go to a charter school? And then looking into the charter school, looking at, you know, they have to have all their information public. Right. And just based on the 2017, 2018 school year, California student enrollment, you know, charter schools are incredibly diverse. The student demographic, African-Americans, 8% enrolled in charter schools versus a traditional school district that has five. Also, insofar as students with disability, 9% are typically enrolled in charter schools or have been, whereas there is 11%. But that's kind of what Amanda was saying, where, you know, depending on who the LEA is, if they're their own, if they have the capability to provide under the law a free and appropriate public education, that's why we see it's a little bit lower than the traditional public school. But 9%, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Obviously, Chime was a little different. I'm sure it was a lot higher. I think when I was there, it was like 20%. Yeah. So Of the student population are children with special needs. mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's something where it can definitely be an alternative. I've seen it positive where if you do have an inclusion program where you only have general education classes and, you know, you're faced with a situation where you're in a school district and your child is kind of on that fence of whether or not they should be in a gen ed or SEC class. And the school district is really fighting you on whether or not they can be in a gen ed class. You know, I've seen success in going to a school where it's all gen ed because then the focus is on how can we meet the child's needs within this classroom rather than how can we fit this child into this special day class. So it has a little bit of a different perspective and, you know, maybe their approach that they've kind of built their school around is something that is beneficial for the individual child's disability. And we see that sometimes with kids with dyslexia and specific learning disabilities. So definitely food for thought things to think about when you're thinking whether or not a charter school may be a good option whether or not it's in the area, that sort of thing. So, you know, if you're considering um, make sure that you're doing your research. Yeah, do your a little bit of research. And, yeah, just Google it. But no, it is a public school. Yeah, it is a public school. You'll kind of see statistics about certain things. Obviously, being able to visit is probably nice if you get a parent that like has their children that go there. I know a couple of my clients, there's a new charter school in Orange that just opened up and they had gotten one of their sons in and he has special needs and but they know full well they're quote unquote yeah. guinea pigs, right? Yeah. Because it's the first Brand year that it's open. You know how it's going to go. Yeah, but they were pretty stoked about it because I guess some of the people from Chime, maybe oh, yes. remember I was telling yeah. you that, were coming to Orange County yeah. and consulted or mm. they took some people. I don't know. Like it's just, just, but that's probably one of the ones that's out in the valley, right? Yeah, that have been doing it right. And there's plenty that have been doing it right around here, but you really need to know what it is that you're looking for because right. you know it what depends kind of on your child's needs is going to do is going to work well for your individual exactly. and your family um, too and just you know know that they're not all created equal you know there are some great ones there are some okay ones and there are some bad ones so when people say oh, all charter schools are bad or all of them are good it's 
you can't generalize like that. Um, and you in, have to really look at the individual. In California, I think it's like less than 1% is actually run by for-profits. In other states, right. it might be different. That's what we yeah. were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think that there's some states where there's a lot of for-profit. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it becomes something where a business or a business individual sees the money side and the potential to make money off of a charter school. And so they will take the money from the federal and state governments that come for each child. They'll sell it as this amazing school with these amazing techniques. But then what's being implemented, they're spending less money. So then that way, you know, it is generating a profit. And then it's actually not as good as they say it is. And that's where we get these really bad charter schools that don't end up doing what they say that they're supposed to do. And we see some that end up losing their charter because they don't fulfill the obligations of their of their mission and everything like that. And, you know, that's where when we've talked about in the past about voucher programs, why we think the voucher programs, the way that it's been proposed by Betsy DeVos and other members of the administration, it doesn't always work because voucher programs encourages more of this big business going into the education business. And obviously vouchers are a part of the tuition. Let's say you would get $8,000 in the form of a voucher to go to a private school. Well, private schools can, I mean, discriminate, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They can not allow your child into their school for X, Y, and Z reasons. And that's why public schools are open. And that's why charter schools are open to all students or should be open to all students. And you know, having that kind of money aspect in education just doesn't really make sense. And that's why a lot of the school districts, especially like in the Midwest and things like that in the rural communities are opposed to those voucher programs because public schools, they hire like how many people in that town, you know, they are their own kind of little communities. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, private schools are coming in and taking those jobs away, it's problematic. I know we've talked about it before. Maybe when any movement happens, we can like revisit that, but we're going down. I'm going down. I mean, yeah, for now the administration has bigger fish to fry than dismantling the education system. It seems (laughs) not that it's not on their agenda because it is, but for now we are safer I'm not going to say safe because we're safer because there's still Title IX being rolled back. Just so much going on. That was crazy. Right now we're recording. And it's raining and that was the biggest thunder roll. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear it. I hope you can hear it. That'd be funny. There's tons of thunder and lightning and it's crazy. So we hope you're staying dry. We don't know. Although, I don't know. It might still be raining by the time this comes out. (laughs) Who knows? I know. It's so weird. These crazy storms. What is this? falling out of the sky anyway californians over here oh yeah complaining about Ooh. 60 degree rain and thunder That's when i know the east coast is weather buried in they have like a like negative 10 degree snow i believe blizzard. it's called some type of vortex like oh the like, winter vortex. no it's no, something it's else like some yeah i think i they saw have a name news. for it so for those of you listening on the east coast we are sorry don't listen to our complaints yeah it's you're probably hating us right now you're like 60 that's great come visit us though it's gonna polar be sunny. vortex polar, polar vortex. vortex that makes sense i mean it's bad but anyway stay dry and warm and have a great beginning to the shortest month ever february <laughs> bye, bye.